Chapter thirty five of Meteorology. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by April Gonzalez. Meteorology by J. G. McPherson. Chapter thirty five. Weather forecasting. To foretell with any degree of certainty the state of the weather for twenty-four hours is of immense advantage to businessmen, tourists, fishermen, and many others. The weather is everybody's business, and the probabilities of accurate forecast are so improving that all are more or less giving attention to the morning meteorological reports. Weather forecasting depends on the principle from vast experience that, if one event happens, a second is likely to follow, according to the extent and accuracy of the data, will be the strength of the probability of correct forecast, and the great end of popular meteorology is to demonstrate this. We have given some explanations of the weather in some respects unique, and a careful consideration of these explanations will the more convince the reader of the importance of the subject. No doubt the changes of the weather are extremely complex, at times baffling, and the wonder is that forecast comes so near to the truth. For instance, the year 1903 almost defied the ordinary rules of weather, for it broke the record for rainfall, and last year, so repulsive and unseasonable was the spring, and that there seemed to be a virtual withdrawal of the season, as the research in the spring. Speak about borrowing days. We had equinoctial gales of March about middle of April, on very few days we had a clear shining to chairs after rain, but a bit of cold dried up any genial moisture. An old farmer remarked that, We're going over far north. No one could account for the backwardness of the season, unless with the cheering songs of the grove charmers, one would have forgotten the time of the year. In March of this year, as Strathmore, the barometer fell from 3.5 inches, the highest of the year, to 26.5 in five days without unfavorable weather following. Then it again rose to 30.5, then fell to 28.45, followed by a rise to 28.7 without any peculiar change. But in two days it fell to 28.4, the lowest for years, followed by a deluge of rain and a perfect hurricane for several hours, while the temperature was fortunately mild. It was only evident, at the end, that this universal storm had been brewing some days before. All are familiar with the ordinary prognostics of good and bad weather. A brook round the moon, in her troubled heaven, indicates a storm of rain or wind. With a dark crimson sun in the evening throws the brilliant bronze lights in the gables and jet leaves, we are sure that there is an intense radiation from earth to form dew, or even hoar-frost. According to the meteorological folklore, the weather of the summer season is indicated by the foliation of the oak and ash trees. If the oak comes first into leaf, the summer will be hot and dry. If the ash has to precedence, it will be wet and cold. Looking over the observations of the budding of these two trees for half a century, I find that the weather law at age has been pretty correct. The ash was up before the oak a full month in the years 1816, 17, 21, 23, 28, 29, 30, 38, 40, 45, 
fifty and fifty-nine, and the summer and the autumn of this year were unfavourable. Again the oak was out before the ash several weeks in the years eighteen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-two, twenty-four, twenty-five, twenty-six, twenty-seven, thirty-three, thirty-four, thirty-five, thirty-six, thirty-seven, forty-two, forty-six, fifty-four, sixty-eight, and sixty-nine. The summers during this year were dry and warm, and the harvests were abundant. One can never think of this weather prognostic from nature without recalling the solo song of Tennyson's princess. While in it, she to clothe her heart with love, delaying as the tender arch delays to clothe herself when all the woods are green. On a muggy morning, a sudden clearness in the south downs the ploughman, and yet enough blue in the sky. They make a pair of bricks, chairs one with the assurance of coming dry and sunny weather. The low flying of the swallows betokens rain, as well as any unseasonable dancing of midges in the evening. Sore cones on the feet and rheumatism in the joints are direful precursors. The leaves are all a-tremble before the approach of thunder. But throughout this volume I have given many illustrations. But one of the largest and most important practical problems of meteorology is to ascertain the course which storm follow, and the causes by which that course is determined, so that a forecast may thereby be made, not only of the certain approach of a storm, but the particular direction and force of the storm. The method of conducting this large inquiry most effectively was devised with the French astronomer Laverrier, the great aspirant, with our own couch Adams, for the discovery of planet Neptune. He began to carry this out in 1858, by the daily publication of weather data, followed by a synchronous weather map, which showed graphically for the morning of the day of publication the atmospheric pressure and the direction and force of the wind, together with tables of temperature, rainfall, cloud and sea disturbances from a large number of places in all parts of Europe. It is from similar maps that forecasts of storm are still framed, and suitable warnings issued an amount of information is being collected by telegraph from sixty stations in the British Islands, and company of the state of the weather at eight o'clock every morning, and analysing arranged at the meteorological office in London for the evening's forecast over different districts of the country. A juster knowledge is being now acquired of those great atmospheric movements and other changes which form the groundwork of weather forecasting. The Meteorological Office, Westminster, entirely distinct from the Royal Meteorological Society, is administered by Council, Chairman Sir R. Strachey, Scottish Member, Dr. Buchan, selected by the Royal Society. It employs a staff of over 40. The chief departments relate to 1. Ocean Meteorology, including the collection, tabulation and discussion of meteorological data from British ships, the preparation of ocean weather charts, and the issue of meteorological instruments to the Royal Navy and Mercantile Marine. 2. Weather Telegraphy, including the reception of telegrams twice a day from selected stations for the preparation of the daily reports and weather forecasts. Representatives of newspapers and company received copies of the 11 a.m. forecast based on the 8 a.m. observations, and also of the 8.30 p.m. forecast based on the observations received earlier in the day. 
in summer and autumn harvests for casts are issued by telegraph to individuals who will defray the cost the office also collects climatological data from a number of voluntary and some subsidized stations the first order stations include valencia format q and aberdeen these have self-recording instruments of high precision giving a continuous record of the meteorological elements a government commission which sat last year under the retired honourable sir herbert maxwell have issued a report recommending a number of changes in the management and constitution of the meteorological office and considerable modifications and are unlikely to take place in the near future in his evidence before that commission the chairman of the council acknowledged that the great function of meteorologists is the collection of facts but the interpretation of those collected facts in a scientific manner is still in a very immature condition dr buchan in his evidence confessed that forecasting by a council is purely by rule of thumb it is not possible to lay down hard and fast rules for forecasting with regard to the storm warning telegrams as a rule the earliest trustworthy indication of the approach of a dangerous storm to the coast of british isles precedes the storm by only a few hours delays are therefore very serious it is admitted by the best british meteorologists that the observations of the united states are better conducted although the best instruments in the world are set and registered at kew in england the work of weather forecast and storm warnings is carried on with the highest degree of promptitude and efficiency at washington central office this is because the work of predictions has been hitherto the chief work of the office the entire time for observers on whose telegraphic reports the forecaster base is controlled by united states weather bureau and the right of precedence in the use of wires is maintained professor bruckner of bern has devoted a lifetime to the comparatively new treatment of climatic oscillations based upon observations made at three hundred and twenty one points to the earth's surface distributed as follows europe one hundred and ninety eight asia thirty nine north america fifty central and south america sixteen australia twelve africa six one of his conclusions is that an average time of about thirty five years is found to intervene between one period of excess or deficiency of warmth and the next accompanied by opposite relative condition of moisture all are familiar with the hoisting of cone warning as indication of a coming storm this work is exceedingly important especially for those connected with sea by business or pleasure all the known approach of a cyclone of dangerous intensity special messages are sent from london meteorological office warning the coast likely to be affected when the cone is hoisted with its apex downwards it means that strong south or southwest winds are to be looked for when the cone is hoisted with its apex upwards it indicates that strong winds from the north or northeast are expected of course they are merely useful precautions but they are universally attended to by people on the sea coast though one may have reasonable doubts about the use that can be made of weather forecasts for three days which is now regularly issued on account of the finical coy spasmodic interludes on short notice yet there are wonderful certainty in daily prognostics of the direction and strength of the wind the temperature of the air and the likelihood of rainy or fair weather dependent on the broad uniformity of nature 
this is very serviceable for people who have now to live at high pressure in business in enthralling days of keen competition and it is great boon to those who are in search of help by travelling who in innocent pleasure desire to live as much as possible in open air very little credit is given to the gas of isolated weather profit but those who are confident in a usual weather forecast of the meteorological office are satisfied in their belief and those who in self-confidence ignore all weather prognostics are still weak enough to read them and act up to them in practical meteorology in the scientific explanation of popular weather law and the study of atmospheric phenomena which has so powerfully influenced us for gladness or discomfort we may as with other branches of science even all our days cheerfully go on in the noiseless tenor of our way nourishing a youth sublime with the fairy tales of science and long results of time end of chapter thirty five and end of meteorology all weather explained by j g mcpherson Recording by Paul Gonzalez in Cavite, Philippines.